This is Marketing Heroes Unfiltered, the journey to CMO, the podcast where we interview high achieving B2B marketing professionals to know their stories, struggles, and insights in this fast paced and competitive industry. Hosted by Leslie Carruthers and Danny Muscaplatt, Suzanne Reed, CMO of LBMC, has more than 25 years of experience in the financial services, professional services, and payments industry. Suzanne is a marketing strategist, leader with a proven track record of enhancing brand equity, revenue, and market share. She champions growth by using an integrated approach to marketing and sales that produces profitable results. An innovative entrepreneur, Suzanne has created new lines of business, new processes, groundbreaking policies and procedures for profit as well as not-for-profit organizations. Inquisitive from birth, she believes in challenging herself and those around her and continually striving to be better. Suzanne's career started in financial services with a large regional bank in their management training program. There, she was exposed to the financial services world. Over her career, she has worked for many widely known firms, both in Nashville and nationally, such as AIG, Deutsche Bank, and Regions. She has been exposed to all sides of professional services through her career in managing client services teams, providing internal consulting, and building teams to drive aggressive growth through mergers, acquisitions, and organic client acquisition. Her approach to marketing has always been a combination of science and art. Data analytics and creative license, as learned in her early career, have allowed her to guide many successful projects and campaigns. Her reputation is one of a Jill of all trades because she is able to opine on the operations of a company as well as the financials to help achieve the best results, whether it is establishing new sales processes, procedures, or helping operations create more client-friendly procedures. Because of this, Suzanne's reach has typically been more holistic than the typical marketer. In today's highly integrated world of technology and marketing, she embraces the role of marketing technologist to create a blend of the sciences and the arts to create sustainable growth strategies in the high-touch traditional client relationship world as well as in the digital world. A music lover, she remains loyal to her Southern roots and listens to anything and everything country. When not in the office, Suzanne enjoys reading, learning the beach, and spending time with her husband and their two children, Abby and Garrison. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you for being here today. This is a podcast about heroes, and uh, we, we start off with the first, the first question is, how do you start your day? I have a practice waking up and starting with a devotional. And I am actually battling breast cancer right now. So I start my day with a cancer devotional that a friend gave me. 
that's a great way to kind of level set my day and put everything in perspective. Probably a little different than what you hear from most people. Um, But that is truly how I start my day. No, it's all good. I'm going to end up being, I'm fighting it. And it's hopefully not obvious to anyone. That was my goal to be quote normal, which I kind of, we chuckle amongst my family members of what does normal is relative, right? But normal to me means that I go about and that no one knows what's going on. Yeah. So that's how I start my day. And then it goes into the normal things of exercise and getting ready. And I have a whole routine of packaging up my lunch and what I'm going to do for the day and head out the door. Giving yourself what you need. Yeah. And our thoughts and prayers are with you. Sending love and light. Start. Yeah. Thank you. That's all I need. I was going to ask when the hero was going to join the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I think you made it very clear that it's you. And, um, you know, for what it's worth, I certainly wouldn't have known. I don't think Leslie would have known. You you know, you show up brave and, and uh, courageous and ready to work. So you're doing what you wanted to do, being normal. Well, and I think I represent, unfortunately, millions of women who are going through the same thing. So My wife went through it several years ago. Oh, um, well, then, So we are very no, familiar with the process. Very, very, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, well, you're, A great community. Another community. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. You you find out that uh, there's a whole world there to support you. And uh, yeah. I've got all the faith that you're going to crush it. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We always follow that question with the same one. And this one <laughs> might have a, a unique flavor for you, Suzanne, given what you just shared. But you're very accomplished in your career. And you know it's one of the reasons why we wanted to speak with you. Every hero has an origin story. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became the Suzanne that you are today? So I do think my story is not unusual or different in that just a very traditional upbringing other than I had a grandfather that probably boosted my confidence and believed in me a little more than maybe some other young girls and encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. So, you know, that could have taken, could have wanted to be an astronaut or anything, and he would have encouraged it and was very supportive. And I had a father who was the same, but we moved every two years. And so as a true introvert, I was forced to become an extrovert. So I think in many ways, that really is my journey. Because I think about if you think about really good marketers, typically, we're the ones that have to kind of be up front. I do not like to be up front. I would really rather be behind the back curtain, a little bit like the Oz, right? And, you know, work the magic and then let other people, you know, kind of feel like it is magic and see it happening. And I think my upbringing of moving every two years and having to kind of make sure that I almost had to reinvent myself every, you can imagine as a teenager moving and all of those things. It sounds horrible when I tell people they go, oh my gosh, that was awful. But really it wasn't because I think it gave me the opportunity to really explore who I was in many different ways, at many different times in my life. And I always had my family. That was my constant in my grandfather who really encouraged me. And so I think that's the origin of, and if you think, I tag it back into marketing, which is really kind of comical because I didn't even get into marketing until a little later in my career. But I really do think it was a lead into why I enjoy marketing and why I have kind of gotten to the level where I have. And it's it's all about learning and evolving and growing. And that started really, my entire childhood was all about that. That's great. I got a follow-up question for you on that one. I've, I've had people on my team, even very recently, who 
are very similar to what you're describing. Very introverted, would love to you know do the work and kind of necessarily be in the background, but be that behind the scenes, maybe a little bit more thoughtful, strategic. And it's been a bit of a career blocker for them. Or in some cases, maybe they perceive it as a career blocker, but how do you grow your career if you're not out on the front lines? And it's been a struggle for me as a leader to kind of coach and develop them because my gut tells me, get out in front of people, do a presentation, give a speech, make yourself known. I'd love to know what advice you would have for people like that on how you make your way in a world that is predominantly about, you know, having a big vocal presence when it's not required. Well, you have some great champions around you, which I've been very blessed to have that. And you be champions for those people. So the ones you talked about on your team, Danny, I think you encouraging them and you championing them. You know, sometimes I think it's been said, right, when I, if I send something's great and we need to do it as a marketer, it's perceived one way. But if I get another leader to say something's great and we need to do it, it takes on a whole nother level. And so I promote this, have always promoted this in every role I've ever been in. I have no good ideas. I help others come up with great ideas. I do believe that because I think it fosters that collaborative spirit. I think it also, we talked about this when, when you and you all, we first met. I don't speak to just to speak. I try to be very thoughtful. And so in the words that I do bring out, I try to make sure that it's meaningful, it has relevance, it's impactful. Um, so I might not say a whole lot, but when I do say something, I believe people pay attention because it is meaningful. And I do think there's something to be said for that. I think sometimes, especially in the marketing world, we can sometimes get a little wordy or a little flowery. And in my, is the roles I've taken on, that's something I've always, always asked my team to be very thoughtful about ideas and what they're doing and that, that it may be a great idea, but you really have to bring others along. And I think that partnership and that collaboration, whether it's a champion or a mentor or a, you know, a leader. So in your case, Danny, you know, as you're leading your team, you know, you can be the champion for them and be the voice for them and then bring them along. I think that gives them that confidence too when they see others and they see others responding to their ideas, even when they don't directly say them. I think people helps them over a little bit of that imposter um, phenomenon that we continue to hear about a little bit. Yeah. And so great to see different people do it different ways. very large organization, and it works. There isn't just one way you have to be. I think that's exactly right. And we talk about that a lot here at LBMC. In the business development roles, we'll have people say, I can't do that. How do I do that? I can't do that. That person's, by, they're very, they're very verbose. They're always out. They always at events, people gravitate to them. And, you know, the thought is that not everyone gravitates to the exact same personalities though. And so our Thought is you can be very successful in any role you have if it's authentic and you, and it works for you. And I think that's the key for everybody. So for those ones that are feel introverted, I think they need, just need to find that path and niche. And for them, it may not be in a startup. It may be in a larger organization where they can fit in as a group instead of being that one man show, if you will. So they don't have to exhibit so much of the extrovert characteristics and that they're very valued um, as the part of the collaboration in the team. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. I'd like to ask a similar question, but slightly different. What were the three things that you can see now looking back, whether habits or decisions or events that put you on track to be where you are now? 
probably mantras maybe I've always said is, is no experience is ever a bad experience. Mm-hmm. Always learning. I get bored somewhat easily. <laughs> so I have to always be learning. And then I think the third is it's okay to take risks mm-hmm. and it's okay to fail. And I think you hear that more these days than you used to. But when I was coming out, that was not always the the case. You know, it was, you're taking a risk that could hurt your career or you're taking a little different direction. And I've mentored quite a few young women through some colleges here in Nashville. And many times their their question to me is, what's one thing you would want to tell me that you didn't realize early in your career that might help me? Mm -hmm. My first comment to them is, your career is not always going to be a trajectory up. Most people's careers look a little bit like a swan, swan dive up and down. Yeah. Because if you are taking risks or you are evolving and learning, you're going to get to your pinnacle and then you're going to kind of come back down again. And then you're going to kind of, and if you're taking risks, you don't want to see those downs, but sometimes some of those downs are your best learning opportunities. You know, some of the best opportunities I've had, I might not consider them a failure, but maybe they weren't my best, but I think about the experience and the learning that I was able to take away in how I acted through those experiences too, I think also gives you a different reputation in the workplace, right? It's, it's, we can all be fundamentally mighty, great people when things are successful and good, um, when things are tough and not perfect. I think we all had take on sometimes a little different personality. And so I think that can give you um, some additional experience and learnings. I love that. I used to say that the person you are on the bad day is more emblematic of the person you are on a good day, right? You show your true colors. Absolutely. I do have a follow-up though, again, for selfish reasons, because we also have a learning mindset, freedom to fail mantra um, on my team, but we struggle with it because we're also a business and we have to hit targets. And I'm wondering how you've been able to reconcile, we got to hit the target, we got to make the money, but we also can fail because failure could mean we don't hit those numbers. Yeah, I think that goes back to your fundamentals or your fundamentals, and you've got to keep those kind of going, but there should always be room. And I think, you know, you talk to a lot of marketers these days and they'll tell you, I've always got a little bit of room or a little bit of budget for that, that test, that risk or that thing that I'm just not quite sure about that. But I think if I can get it to work might really kind of set us apart. And you have to be willing to kind of work a little harder and kind of set the I've got my foundational things going, but I'm going to spend a little extra time on this, you know, to get it moving. And, you know, for for LBMC, I'll give an example here. When I first came on board, there wasn't a lot of LBMC curated kind of content, if you will. And so in the first year, I kind of thought up, I said two things. I felt like one, we needed kind of an LBMC curated event that was pretty large, bigger scale, much more about talking to prospects as well as clients. And then I also wanted to have some type of pillar content that we could use year after year consistently that could make our experts look really uh, forward thinking and very advisory oriented. And so I kind of took on those two. I got a little bit of approval, but I also said, I'm not sure what the results of these are going to be. I'm new to LBMC. I'm new to this industry. But what I believe is I think we're going to be able to kind of take these and step forward from these. And they're going to be a really nice addition to some other things you all are already doing. And I think it will extend our brand a little further, give us a little bit more depth in the marketplace from an expert 
perspective. So telling them, I think on the front end, I'm not sure. You know, some people would be probably be like, why did you do that? Well, I, you know, again, sometimes my authentic is being as transparent as possible. Someone else might not feel comfortable with that. But I was able to say, here's what I think it's going to be. Here's how much time I think it's going to be. It's new. And, you know, that first year was a real dig to get some of those things done because it wasn't in the plan. I didn't really have the extra staff, if you will, to do some of those things. But we did it. And it was a huge success immediately. Now, that's I'm not patting. I'm going to pat my team on the back. I'm not patting myself on the back. But, you know, I could have said I'm not going to try those things because it's kind of risky and it's going to require some more time. But I do think now looking back, that was a good way to kind of create some trust. So the next time I went and said, I'm not sure what this will do, but I would like to try it. You know, I got a little different reaction of, okay, we're willing to go. But again, I think those are things you work, you work with your leadership team, you work with your team, your team's kind of probably got to have a little bit of excitement maybe around it and thinking that we are going to feel really good if this works. You need to know what your business outcomes are going to be. You know, we always have very clear business outcomes for everything we do. And I think having those things in place can help you do some of those risk things with a little less risk, right? People don't feel like this is so risky that I'm going to lose my job if it doesn't work out. Again, those are the kinds of things that maybe me as a leader ought to take on, but I shouldn't involve my team would maybe be how I would position that part. Does that help? Does that answer you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's a great answer. Good ideas. You. you can swipe. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Freedom to fail fund. Awesome. So Suzanne, is there some gnarly problem that you've dealt with in the recent past and or even further back that you were able to to solve, got creative with or proud of that, that you could share that might help someone else facing something similar or it's on the horizon? Oh, gosh. I have, I'm sure I have thousands. <laughs> I can't think of a like one specific problem, but I can think of an overarching problem I think we have in, in just in marketing in general and probably not just in marketing, but you hear about it the most in the marketing realm. As you know, a lot of, many times our thoughts, some of our projects, if they can't be tied directly back to revenue, we kind of get earmarked as as fluffy or not necessary or not essential, if you will. And so, you know, over my career, that's been one thing that, you know, I continually battle. I kind of take it a badge of honor, though, that I have to battle it. I'm ready. My armor's ready because I feel like we still need to work on how we want to position marketing to our leaders when they don't understand marketing. And so I think it gives us a great opportunity to really sell that and really pull it through. And so, my stance that I have taken on that, first of all, the very first thing as marketers we have to understand is the business. We cannot explain things to people in marketing terms. We've really got to explain it to them in business terms. What does this mean for the business? Why do I want to do this? Why do they want me to do this? Why is it a good use of our resources and our time and our, our money? And then I think this, the second piece is that keep kind of creating that trust collaborative factor. And this a little bit of this goes back to my idea earlier that I don't have any great ideas, that they're always someone else's. <laughs> and so I do think, you know, I really do think there's something to be said for that, because I think bringing along leaders and helping them to feel like they're part of it, and then you being able to speak back to it in a mar in a business acumen sense, starts to create that credibility. So even when there are things that as a marketer, we consider fun but necessary. You know, some of those great brand projects where 
you, you know, you just know you need to get out there. You know, what if Coke had decided they weren't going to do any branding, right? What right. would Coke be Coke? No, but, but that's hard to explain, especially in my world, financial services and professional services. Those are fundamentals to me. And so I think the battle that I continue to face and that monster that we face is turning that brand conversation into why we have to do it from a business acumen. And what I typically have you leaned on with that is, you know, it's really hard to make connections and relationships with individuals and talk about our company when we're not a known commodity or we're not visible or we aren't credible in the marketplace. And so to me, I turn that brand conversation into the brand is a foundational piece we just have to have in our business that's based on trust and expertise and our people. And so to me, that's where I think, you know, every business has to play that up. Obviously, if you're a SaaS company or you're a consumer goods company, those there's a different. But in my world, the, we're selling our people and their expertise and the trust. You know, it's financial services, professional services. You're talking about people's money and livelihoods. And so it's very important. And so, again, turning in a marketing fundamental, turning it into a business basically a business necessity, if you will, I think I've found is very helpful. And, and I, don't, I don't think it's a one and done. I don't think it's something you can come in and show a PowerPoint on and say, you must do this. I think it is that collaboration amongst the leadership and the continuous education. And I've been laughed at before because I've actually used the terms, I'm going to act like a parent and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. And then I'm going to tell you what I just told you. And then I'm going to tell you again. And then I'm going to remind you and remind you and remind you. I do think as leaders, as business people, we have a lot going on. And I think marketers' role is to to do that, to act a little bit like a parent and remind and tell and retell. And we do that with our clients too, right? In a noisy world, we've got to we've got to do the same thing. So that's great. Thank you. So one of the next questions that we that we like to ask is it really stems from two things. One is what people like me tend to struggle with in our roles, but the other is what Leslie tends to hear from her customers really all over the world. And is that there are some key problems that seem to recur, whether it's staffing or retention, time to results, bandwidth, how do we do digital transformation? Wondering if you could share if any of those are your problems and if so, how do you overcome them or what other problems that you might be dealing with? I think unfortunately we all suffer from staffing and team I've been very blessed in that I've got a really solid team, great team. I've been blessed with that everywhere I've been. That That's something I pride myself on is bringing in strong people. And I don't always look for marketers. I kind of look for a diverse mixture. And then we train and we work together. What I think that does is it gives, just like we talk about in the world, you know, diversity of thought, a diversity of ideas, a diversity of opinions. And then I allow them to do their jobs based on what we need. And so I think that helps for you know healthy, healthy retention, if you will, because I think they feel like they're part of the process. But I think that then leads to then that can create other issues that can kind of follow along that that make it a little more challenging in that maybe we're not as edge on the edge, if you will, for technology, or maybe we don't have every single marketing bell and whistle, if you will, um, that maybe some others have. And so one of my biggest mantras to the team is. We're going to do the fundamentals, the basics, 
really, really well. Mm-hmm. And once we have those things done really, really well, then we're going to start stacking on the additional pieces that we know we need to do, um, which means we've got to understand really, really well what our business imperatives are. And then we need to understand where marketing can create that incremental lift. And so I think from that perspective, you start to now talk about in today's world, it's what is that? It, you know, digital transformation. Is it, you know, the new technology? Is it, is it chat GPT? Is it search engine? Is it a new website? Is it digital transformation? You know, where is that next level? Um, and I'm sure you all know better than I do. You know, there's so many, so many options these days knowing which one is going to get you to where you need to go. And so I kind of make that a little bit of a development opportunity for my team that they can then look to see where do they think we will get our biggest lift and kind of make those business cases. And that gives them an opportunity to learn. The rest of the team also learns a little bit. And then we can kind of decide, you know, we've got our fundamentals and our basics running really well. We can do a little bit of testing. Okay, we're going to add this on and do we get an incremental lift? And I think what we have found is we've run across some things they don't necessarily give us what we're looking for. I wouldn't call it a fail, but I wouldn't call it something we want to continue. I think that knowing those things, I hear a lot of marketers talk about they have a huge list of things they're going to do. And I, I really feel like that's where marketers get tripped up is when they have too much on their plate, they're not doing the fundamentals well, and then the incrementals are probably not getting executed well. Or even if they are getting executed well, they may not even be able to tell what they're really adding to because they don't have the sound fundamentals. And we all know you can chase yourself around quite a bit if you don't have control over what you're doing. And so those are evergreen challenges. I don't see many of those ever going away, but I feel like today the volume and the pace at which those are coming at us have probably sped up just in the last five years, you know, tenfold. Just so many unique, great opportunities. The question just is which ones are relevant for my business goals and objectives? Again, we know the fundamentals we have to do, but what are those next level things that we need to do? Yeah. And staying focused. I don't know if that answers staffing, obviously, as always for for everyone. You know, I'm sure that'll continue to be for the next couple of years too. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Well, speaking of staffing and teams, what advice would you share? You mentioned that you mentor a lot of young people and especially young women in marketing, all the Vanderbilt, all the great universities there in Nashville, around Nashville. You've mentioned that one in particular. What advice do you have for the next generation of marketers? Oh, gosh. Well, what I would say, I think we continue to hear that marketing is becoming more and more in the business, which I'm really excited to hear. You know, it's really much more instrumental in driving companies forward. You're seeing CEOs, you know, go to their marketing, you know, leads, going to their CMOs, you know, some of them are even becoming CEOs now and that it is becoming a much more a business um, necessity. So I would say, you know, for the up and coming as they get in, you know, I mentioned earlier, first of all, your career is not a straight up trajectory. Making sure any company that you head into that you understand the business fundamentals. It's great if you can talk marketing speak and you understand social and you understand open rates and emails and you can talk about several marketing tools. But if you don't understand how those things are driving the business, 
um, and you're only able to spout out those statistics, it's going to fall on deaf ears. And so you've got to be able to connect the dots between the marketing activity and the business result. So to me, that would be my number one thought. And I mean, that doesn't always happen day one, but you know, make sure you're aligning yourself with the business people that will help you do that. And if you're asking those questions, they will be more than happy to help you do that because they will see that you're trying to understand how marketing truly can be that business driver that they're meant to be. Awesome. That's great. As you look back at your career, is there anything that you can identify that you would have done differently? Great question. Is there anything I would have done differently? You know, I think if you ask me, did I take risks earlier in my career? I would say yes. But as I get older and I look back on my career, I think, did I take enough? Should I have taken a few more risks? Should I have been okay with thinking, this might really go really bad, but maybe it could have gone really well too. And I think early in your career, you're a little more cautious. I was willing to take risks by switching roles and taking on roles that I wasn't 100% sure I could do, but I wasn't always willing to do the risk of going to the table early in my career, as probably to be expected, to say, this is a really good idea and we really do need to do it. So I think you know, maybe we all, as we get older, we look back and we think, you never say, I wished I hadn't have done that. I think most people say, I wished I had done more. So I guess risk, maybe take a few more risks. I have had a few good ideas that maybe <laughs> other people have taken credit for later that I'm totally fine with. But I wonder if early in my career, if I pushed myself a little bit more, I could have had some life altering ideas, if you will. Hmm. That's a great answer. I like that one. Yeah. Thanks for throwing it out there, Danny. I'd like to ask you about the economic situation, like what's going on now. A lot of people are saying, Suzanne, that we're headed into a recession for sure. It's this way. What do you think? Well, the first thing I would say to that is I've been through three major financial downturns in my career. I think that's enough for one person personally. So (laughs) I'm going to base my income. No more. (laughs) However... Just based on if you look at the law of economics and the financial markets and where we've been for the last 10 to 12 years since the major downturn that we saw in 2008, many people would say we're due and we're going to have one. I think the question just is how proliferating it's going to be across industries and where it's going to actually hit. You know, is it going to be, you know, last time it was very much the housing market and the banking and financials. This time, I think some people are predicting it may be in in varying other areas. I think we will have a slowdown, but I think we're probably due. We've been at, you know, buster double digit rates for so long now. I think the fundamental companies and the fundamental organizations are not going to see a recessionary downtimes like what we saw in the 2008s and the 2010s. I think many times when companies hear those things in the media, of course, one day it's we're all on for a recession and the next day it's, no, we're going to avoid it. And then the next day it's, oh, we, we think it is coming and it'll be here later this month in, in the markets. So, you know, the, whoever gets that answer right, I guess, is the winning ticket. To me, it, one, it shouldn't matter. If your fundamentals are sound, they're sound. And as a marketer, I think that, you know, you kind of have to chuckle at that a little bit because typically when I went through those three major financial crises, 
The first ones to be cut from the businesses were the marketing teams, right? We were extra. We were not necessities. We were not critical to the business. I think that thinking has most definitely changed as we go forward. I think if we learned nothing during the COVID period, it was that consumers are buying different and the marketers are the only ones who know that. So you got to have them on, right? We've created a great space that we truly do represent that client buying power, which is what keeps the businesses going. But I think the marketers who are positioning themselves, again, they have foundationally laid that groundwork at their companies. They're in the business. They understand the business. They're looking out and, you know, I would, I would tell you, I'm probably not going to be testing a whole lot of new things right now. I'm sticking to what we know works. Uh, we're being solid. Um, we're focused on doubling down on great results. And again, not, te- not testing and not trying anything really new. So as a marketer, it's your role to really be in tune to your businesses. You know, if you're with a business that's strapped for cash, you're a startup or you're in acquisition mode or wherever you are, understand that and understand where your role is in that so that you're not going to get yourself in a position where they're looking and saying you've overextended with the marketing aspect and we are hitting slower times. And again, I think you know if you're kind of in those industries, right? If we start to have a you know commercial real estate issue and you're in commercial real estate, you know you know to kind of pull back a little bit, right? So you don't want them coming to you and saying you've got to cut. You've already started to look where you can make sure that you're shoring up that your business impacting items are still on board, and that's what you're pushing forward, right? You're not hiring gangbusters. You're not adding additional ads, you know, again, you're being smart about your spends. Yeah. In partnership with the business. Great. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I mean, it is the partnership. Yeah. I think the marketers that have figured that out, um, I know there's a trend. We continue that. I can't remember what the percentage is these days, but it continues to talk about how the marketers turn over so much quicker. And I used to argue, is it because of the companies or because of the marketers? I think you need to understand, you know, why they're turning over. Because in my mind, that wasn't always necessarily a bad thing. Because it could just mean, you know, there are 10 years short because we get in companies and we realize we've done all we can do. We want to move on to a new challenge. Hmm. Or it could be we're going into companies and we really don't know what we're doing and we want to get out before. (laughs) Yeah, I said, I've seen it both ways. And so, and I think some companies also churn and burn their marketers sometimes a little bit too hard because they don't really understand what marketing needs to do for them. And there's not a partnership there. Yeah, no, that's a lot. It's a fair point. We'll edit it to make it seem super rapid fire. All right, I'm going to go first. So rapid fire questions. Here we go. Speed round. If your career was a movie, who plays you? Oh, Reese Witherspoon. Nice. Nice. Love that. <laughs> What's your favorite KPI? Profit. Amen. Good one. <laughs> Love that. First job, worst job? First job, I was a credit analyst in a regional bank. Worst job, I was a credit analyst in a regional <laughs> bank. <laughs> Got it. What's your favorite productivity hack? Oh, managing email time, blocking it on my calendar. Gotcha. And people don't double book? Of course they do. But if I I block only certain times on my calendar where I'll try to look at emails. Gotcha. Love it. Uh, What's the last book you read? I'll tell you my next one. How about that? Never Say Sale. Sitting on my desk. I'm getting ready to start reading it. What was it again? 
never say sale as an S-A-L-E. Got it. Okay. okay. Cool. Never heard that one. Who's the most fascinating contact on your phone? Oh, gosh. Fascinating. Well, funny story. My son actually went to high school with Luke Bryan's nephew. So I did have Luke Bryan's number on my phone for a while. <laughs> cool. So very cool. Uh-huh. If you could be famous for one thing, what would it be? For one thing? Oh, gosh. My humor. <laughs> yeah? I'd like to be That's famous great. for that. Because you would like to have a sense of humor because you do have a sense of humor and you would like to be known well, for it. I think I have a sense of humor. My family doesn't think <laughs> okay. that But I would like to okay. have that, yeah. <laughs> I can relate. Okay. What's the best compliment you've ever gotten? I, I was told by a leader here that I did not speak unless I had something thoughtful to say. And so he felt like every time I said something, mm. people should listen. I thought that was a, a huge compliment, mm. huge compliment. Um, that is great. I think I told y'all that I that some of my counsel I've given to some of the young girls is you hear a lot of times speak in every meeting. Make sure you at least speak and say something and do something. I worry about that advice across the board. I get the premise and I agree if you have a comment, speak up. But to me, to just talk to be talking, um, I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice. Mm-hmm. No. Good point. I agree a million percent. Is there something that you've always dreamed of doing, but haven't done? Yes. I would love to be a country music singer. <laughs> really? Yes. Can you sing? Can you play Can you play guitar? I can do nothing. My daughter is very, very talented. And I was hoping she was going to live my life out for me, but she stopped. Um, my daughter and my son and my husband actually can all learn instruments by ear. I played piano when I was younger. That's about it. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. Did you see both of our jaws <laughs> drop? That's that's amazing. And it's funny like, that I'm in Nashville, but I have been a country music fan my whole life. My father was. And so I have loved, I listened to Grand Old Opry before we even moved anywhere near Nashville. And so huge, huge thing. Yeah. I actually have converted my family. They're all country music fans now too. So. Nice. All right. One last question. Describe yourself in five words, please. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, patient, introvert, chocolate-loving gal. Because <laughs> I can't say mom, friend, <laughs> wife. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. great. All right. Anything that Lisa's going to be upset if we don't get in? Well, maybe just one statement on getting, you know, everyone wants to talk about being getting to the table. You know, being at the leadership table and having that, I do. I think that's very important. But I think the more important piece of that is just being able to influence the business leaders because you understand the business. Yeah, it is important to be at the table, but you think about certain organizations. I mean, I'm in an organization where I'm at the leadership table, but maybe if I was in Coke, I might not. But still being able to influence or, you know, if I was at Spanx or if I was at Lululemon, you know, I might, I might not in my role be at that level because those large, the larger organizations you go, there's fewer and few people at that table, right? So you just really want to make sure that you're able to influence the business and that you're collaborating with leadership. And to me, that's the more important part. You know, I worry sometimes when people are so focused on getting to the table that that, you know, that that becomes the all-encompassing mantra. And they feel like they haven't made it. But if you're influencing the business, you could be sitting 
on the bench, if you will. <laughs> yeah, just it's really about influence in the business. Fantastic. Love it. It's a great closing mm-hmm. thought. Thank you for this. What a blast. Oh, well, thank y'all. I hope it benefits you, you, and I will make sure that I definitely help you all and let me know what I can do. And thank you. Thank you. you. No, I appreciate that. And we'll make sure it benefits you also. And Lisa will support us in that. I know that much. (laughs) Awesome. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank y'all. Fabulous to meet you both. Bye. Have a great day. Thank you for staying tuned. If you're enjoying these conversations, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It really helps us to increase the podcast's reach. Thank you. See you next week with more inspiring stories. This episode of Marketing Heroes is brought to you by The Search Guru, produced by Circle Audio and podcast cover art by Andra Lazordo.